Hey, welcome to the Real Life Youth Podcast. I'm so glad that you could join us. What you're going to expect is real issues that matter to today's youth. We're going to tackle topics like faith, relationships, purpose, and everything in between. I hope this message blesses you. Now say vintage. So can we give a hand for Nick Sparks real quick last week? Yeah. Yeah, now he's sick. I was sick last week and now he's sick. So you might hear my voice go a little bit. You can probably hear it already. So, well, I, didn't, I actually didn't. Well, I did see him since then. So I might have gotten him sick. All right, who has seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith? It is an amazing movie. So, okay, so movie Pursuit of Happiness. Everybody say Will Smith. Don't slap your neighbor, if you know what I mean. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Never mind. Anyways, so Will Smith plays a character named Chris Gardner, a man who struggles basically his whole life. And if you see this movie, you see how Will Smith, as he portrays this character, he is trying everything that he can to provide for his family. Um, he's kind of like in this sales role, and the product that he was selling was kind of outdated, so nobody was selling it anymore. Nobody, or nobody was buying it anymore. So he goes through this huge struggle. But one of the things that you're going to realize throughout the movie is that Will Smith never gives up, or technically Chris Gardner never gives up. He even gets to a point where he goes for a broker position. And as you see this broker position, it's a very high paying job. But he is working countless hours at night to study and study and study because this job isn't a job you just apply for. You have to do testing. You have to do a certain amount of like um, other kind of on the job testing. Like it is almost an impossible job to get in. But as you see throughout this movie, Will Smith never gives up. He never gives up and he keeps his faith. And I'm going to show you the results of what happens when there's a lot of moments in the movie that he's crying, that he doesn't understand what's going on. But I want to show you the results of what happens. So let's play the um, thing. What is the reason why I show you that? You might be like, what was the purpose of that? Because you can see, what, do you, what was that? Well, he kept his faith, absolutely. But then you see the joy that he has because of his faithfulness, because of how God provided for him. He literally, you watch this movie, it's like, I'm not going to ruin the movie. I am, it's been out forever, so you should have watched it by now. <laughs> but anyways, no, it's a great movie. You haven't seen it. But as he is going through this, he has an interview prior to that where he's wearing like clothes that are just like full of paint because he has these side jobs and all that kind of stuff. But you can see what his faithfulness came to. It brought joy. And that's kind of my point behind it, because we talk about, we're going to do part two of Joseph. If you guys remember us talking about Joseph, because Joseph keeps his faithfulness in God. And I kind of look at that as when we keep our own faithfulness in life and we never give up on God, he's going to bring this joy that is hard to explain. I mean, I couldn't imagine what Chris Gardner was feeling in that moment that he was able to finally provide for his family, that he was able to provide for his son. And actually, fun fact, if you watch the end of that movie, when he's clapping, it goes into the next part where a dude walks behind him, and it's actually the real guy, so fun fact. Now, everybody say Joseph. Joseph. I'm going to prepare you right now. Turn to Genesis, I believe, 42, if you have your Bibles with you. What did I say? If you have your phone, you got your Bible. Whether it glows or shows, Take out your Bible. All right. So if you remember, we talked about Joseph two weeks ago, a man that completely has a heart after God. Do you guys remember what happened to Joseph? Do you remember what he got thrown into? 
like a well thingy. Yeah, they should say that in the Bible. You got thrown into a well thingy. But no, that's pretty much what it is. He got thrown into a cistern. And as he's thrown into a cistern, he, uh, he originally was going to be murdered by his brothers. And then his brother's like, no, let's not murder him. I believe it's Reuben. Ru- Am I right on saying that? Was it Reuben that was like, don't murder him? Something like that. But anyways, then they're like, hey, we're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. So then he gets sold to the Ishmaelites, which he therefore goes through the house of Potiphar. And then he's thrown into, or the, uh, serving the Pharaoh. And then he's thrown into jail. So he's thrown into a jail cell at that point. And that's kind of where we leave, left off two weeks ago, is him thrown into a jail cell. Now, one thing you're going to notice about Joseph, and you'll see it in the beginning of Genesis, is he interprets dreams. He's a man that was gifted with interpreting dreams. And as he is thrown in jail, he interprets dreams for uh, the king. Try not to burp right now. Dramatic pause. No, I'm trying not to burp. And Joseph is actually forgotten about after he interprets this dream. And he interprets two dreams about these guys. It was a ring cup or was a uh, cup bearer and uh, like a baker or something like that. And he interprets these two dreams so much. I'll give you a graphic, how graphic the Bible can be. He interprets that this dream, this guy is going to be basically impaled on a stake and the birds are going to eat him. And it happens. But the other dude that well, didn't die, that, inter- that he interpreted the dream for, that he is reinstated within the palace. Hey, you guys are moving a lot. Just shh. That he was reinstated in the palace actually forgets about Joseph. And then he tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh's like, I need somebody to interpret this dream for me. And he goes, oh yeah, I remember this dude named Joseph that interpreted our dreams and he was right. Give it to you in a nutshell. And he sees that and he, and he goes before him And Pharaoh sees that Joseph is filled with the spirit of God. So then Joseph is put in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I'm going fast right now just to get through some of the context because it's a lot. Now, this is the good part that I want to pick up on is when Joseph is actually in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And the title of the message today is from pit to palace. And there's a reason why I call it that, from pit to palace. Do you guys remember Joseph, Joseph's brothers? What did they do? Threw him in a pit. What else did they do? They sold him. Yep. And then what happened to Joseph? Where did he go after he was sold? Prison. And you want to know what the kicker about all of this is now? Is now that he is in charge of Egypt, guess who comes to Egypt? His brothers. Do you guys remember who's in charge of the land of Egypt? Joseph. And Joseph was originally sold by his brothers. You see, there was actually a, like a famine. There was, there was a scarcity of food. This is what's happening. There's a scarcity of food. And Joseph's dad is like, hey, you guys need to go to Egypt to see if we can get some food because we're running low. We're running out. So go to Genesis chapter 42, verses six through seven. 42, 4-2. It says that since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground and Joseph recognized his brothers instantly. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. I would have done the same. Where are you from? He demanded. Have you guys ever been to a point in your life when someone did you wrong 
and you knew they were in the wrong. You knew they were in the wrong. You had all the evidence lined up that you were right, knowing they were wrong. Does that ever happen to you? Raise your hand if that's happened. It's happened to me before. They looked at you like you were the issue though, right? Like, even though it's like, how can you not see what's going on? They're looking at you like you're the issue, even though the problem is within them. And then there's that moment. There's that moment of sweet victory. That moment of sweet victory, that moment that you could have said, aha, I knew it. You were wrong. But do you think sometimes it's worth to point that out to them? Here's what, the first point that I already want to give you right off the bat. The relationship is more valuable than the argument. I want us to keep that in mind the next time we have an argument with somebody. The relationship is more valuable than the argument. What do I mean by that? Sometimes if you get in an argument with somebody, I'm not saying you got to give in every time and always say, oh, you're right every single time. But there is sometimes that simply it's just not worth fighting. It's worth just saying, you know what? This relationship is more valuable. We know, we know it. We know what's left unsaid, but let's move past. Let's move on that. Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him. And Joseph could have literally said, look at you guys who are bowing before me. But Joseph chose not to. Joseph instead (laughs) speaks harsh to them, which I mean, I would have played a little bit like that too. And then he says to them, you guys are spies. You guys are all spies. I mean, keep in mind, Joseph knows who they are. They yelled out, no, we're not. We're not spies. We are not spies. And they proceed to tell Joseph about their whole family, including the part where they say, we have a brother who is no longer with us, talking about Joseph, because they don't recognize Joseph. They think Joseph is dead. So they're thinking there's no way this could be Joseph standing in front of us. So Joseph still tells them, I don't care. You're still spies. You are spies. And then he puts them to a test. Joseph put them all in prison. Oh man, how the turntables. You guys get the office reference? How the turntables have turned. Isn't it funny? Kind of in that moment, you can see where God has a sense of humor. Joseph was the one that went through all of this. And now the brothers are the ones that are in prison. Joseph went from a pit because of his brothers. And now he's in a palace. He had every right to do whatever he wanted to his brothers, but he didn't. And then he says, okay, so if you guys are going to be completely honest, if you guys are not spies, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. And the rest of you may go home. I'm going to give you some grain and you can bring it to your starving families. But you must bring your youngest brother back to me. And here's the thing. He wants his youngest brother to come back to back to him. He was not anymore the youngest brother. He had a younger brother named Benjamin. The rest, he says, the rest of you may go home to your starving families. Man, I imagine Joseph just having a little bit of fun toying with these guys, right? Joseph really is kind of getting a rise out of him is what he's doing. I mean, this whole man's life, he has went through so much pain So much, I'm sure, moments where he's questioning God, saying, what is going on in this season of my life? And he stayed faithful to God. And then his brothers are like, man, but because of what we did to Joseph, we are now paying for what we did. We are being punished. 
This is why we are in prison. This is why we're supposed to bring Benjamin back. Now, I'm, I jumped a little bit ahead to the Benjamin part, so we'll get to that in a moment here. Um, I want you to skip over to verse um, 24. My voice is already going out. It says, now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again, and then he chose Simeon from among them and had tied them up right before their eyes. What, what am I talking about right here? He basically said, if I send you guys home, you need to keep one back that needs to stay in prison. So they chose the brother, Simeon. And Joseph, he turns around and weeps because you can see the love that he has for his brothers. After everything he has been through, he still has a special place in his heart. And it's like that with God in our own life, right? I think about Joseph could completely hated his brothers and he still chose to have a special place in his heart. And there's oftentimes a lot of us know what it says in the word of God. A lot of us say, yes, I believe in Jesus. A lot of us will say, yes, I believe in God, but yet we still choose to disobey. Imagine how that makes God feel. Everybody say God. 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 That was really delayed. <laughs> After everything that he has done for us, we still choose to turn the other way. We still choose to throw our brothers and sisters in the pit. We still choose to gossip. We still choose to lust. We still choose to anger. And we still choose to start lying about our brothers and sisters. We even still choose to disobey our parents when they tell us not to do something and we do it anyway. We still choose. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you, girl. We still choose to be disrespectful in school. No, you're like, no, I okay, I like it. What am I trying to say here? I mean, I could go on and on and on and on with this list about how we still disobey the word of God, even though we know what it says. My question for you tonight is, is your heart aligned with God? Is your heart aligned with God? Joseph had his brother Simeon tied up right in front of their eyes, tied up, thrown into prison, and what does he do? He fills their bags with grain to say, go home. But he also tells his servant, hey, those bags that you were filling for those guys, they gave me a payment. Put the payment that they gave me on top of the bags. So Joseph gave them supplies for the way home. And when the brothers, they, there's one night that they're all kind of sitting around, they open up the bags because they want to feed their donkeys. They want to feed them. And next thing they know, it, they see the payment that they gave to Joseph was actually in their bags. And they make it back to their father and they are frightened. Could you imagine? Because what does this look like? Their minds didn't go to, oh, Joseph was being generous and he was helping us out by giving our payments back. No, their minds go to, Joseph is gonna think we stole this money. Joseph is gonna think that we were trying to rob him. And when they come back and they tell their father about this, they're like, hey, we're going to give double payment back to them to make up for it. But they tell their father, hey, we got to bring Benjamin with us. And he's basically saying over my dead body, you are not bringing my youngest son with me. You guys already cast aside Joseph. You're not bringing my youngest son. If you bring my youngest son, I'm going to die. Meaning just of like heartache and old age. But what happens? They end up bringing Joseph. And they arrive at Joseph's palace, arrive at the palace where Joseph's at. And in short, they end up having supper with Joseph. 
I'm going to point out again. You notice how it says supper instead of dinner? Anyways, uh, hold on. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for clarifying. They brought Benjamin with them. And we're going to jump over to Genesis 44, verses 1 through 2. It says that when his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to his palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into the sack. Then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack, along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed them to do. As Joseph instructed them to do. You see, Joseph is actually playing a little bit of a trick on them. His brothers only get a little bit out of the way of the palace. And Joseph says to his manager, okay, to his manager, okay go run, go get him. Go, go make them open up their bags, basically. And he says, ask them why you repaid my kindness with such evil. Why have you stolen my master's silver cup? You see what Joseph's doing here? He's setting them up. As you can imagine, all of them had to be completely confused. Would you guys be confused if you're like, we never stole this. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. And they come to the conclusion that whoever stole the cup, whoever, whoever's bag it's in, is going to be a slave. A slave to the palace, slave to Joseph. Man, I just imagine the thoughts going across the brothers of Joseph's minds, or going, the thoughts going across their minds. They were innocent in a sense. They were set up. They were framed. They didn't do anything wrong. But Joseph was testing them. You remember, you remember the friends that we talk about that accuse us of doing something wrong when we're innocent? Even though you had all the evidence stacked up? Even though that you, you knew you were not in the wrong, but they still blame you and you didn't understand why? Why is this happening to you? Why is Joseph's brothers getting claimed that they are thieves? My last point to you is even through our misunderstanding, God can teach you great value. Even through our misunderstanding, God can teach you great value. We're going to have many circumstances in our life that we're not going to understand. Put it this way. We might cry out to God and say, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I getting uh, accused? Why am I struggling? God, where are you in all of this? You know I'm innocent. Why am I getting blamed for everything? And I heard a statement a while ago that I thought was so good. There's often times that in these moments of frustration, in these moments that we don't understand what is going on, we feel like God can be so far away, right? We can cry out to God and say, God, I've been praying to you every night after this. What in the world is going on? And somebody said something to me. I thought that was so good. The teacher is silent during the test. Think about that. The teacher is silent during the test. Again, we might not understand what's happening, but I promise you that God has great purpose for what you're going through. Joseph went from a pit to a palace and he could have easily said, I give up, but he didn't because his heart was still after God this whole time. And I am sure there is moments that Joseph goes, I have no idea, God, what you were trying to do, but I'm gonna trust you. Because Joseph was known to have a heart after God. 
And for the sake of time, I'm going to sum up the rest of it. I'll only read a little bit more scripture. As I told you, Benjamin was the youngest son that Jacob, Jacob is uh, uh, Joseph's dad, the brother's dad. He didn't want him to go back to Egypt in the first place in the fear of losing him. And he says, hey, guys, I'm going to die. If you bring Joseph, I'm going to die. When they find out Benjamin was going to be the slave, they are thinking, oh, my goodness. My dad didn't want me to bring my youngest brother in the first place. And now I'm telling him I can't even bring him back. They're thinking for sure, we're, Jacob's going to die. That's what they're thinking. My dad is going to die. I mean, he even said it. I will die if Benjamin leaves. Now they can't even bring Benjamin back because he becomes the slave because the cup was in Benjamin's bag. But even after everything the brothers did to him, even after from a pit to a palace, look at what Joseph says to his brothers in chapter 45. And this is the last parts of scripture I believe I read to you. Verses five through eight. It says that, but don't be upset and don't be angry. Or four through eight, I'm sorry. It says that, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. That's, that's crazy. God sent me ahead of you to, to help you guys out. Even though you sold me and wanted to murder me, it was for a purpose. Okay, I'll quick continue. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. It was God who sent me here, not because you wanted to murder me. It was God who sent me here, not when you sold me to the Ishmaelites. It was God. And he is the one who made me an advisor to the Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. It was God who sent me. He says, it was God who sent me. I'll say it one more time. It was God who sent me. He didn't say because you guys wanted to murder me, because you guys wanted me dead, because you guys were jealous of this dream. He didn't allude to that at all. He said, no, it was for a purpose because he saw the promise that God was giving him. And there is such another valuable lesson, and I'm wrapping up here. There is such another valuable lesson that we see in Joseph's life. And I want everybody to say this word, forgiveness. Forgiveness, say it again. Say it one more time. He never held it against his brothers. He never hated his brothers. Why? Because of the forgiveness that he had. Why? Because he was a man after the heart of God. He knew God was in control this whole time. And my question, another question I have to you is, how many of you guys are willing to, to forgive those in your life? How many of you are willing to put your differences aside? Some of you probably can't even tell me the differences that you're having with some of the arguments that you're currently partaking in. Is it worth holding on to the past and suppressing the greatness that God has planned for you? It's not worth it. It is not worth it. And this isn't even in my notes, but I had a conversation with somebody last night and we talked about forgiveness it was a pastor that I mentored under when I was 20 to 21 years old. 
I was not even a pastor. I was a salesman, all that stuff. And he talked about the forgiveness that he had to have in his heart. And we just had, we literally talked for like, I, I checked Kristen wherever you're at. I told her it was a half an hour, it was an hour and 10 minutes. When you get two pastors on the phone, it's what happens. But it is not worth holding on to those wounds, to holding on to that hatred. How many of you are willing to forgive? And I want you, as we go into a prayer, I want you to think of somebody that you need to forgive. Even if you're not in the wrong. Even if you think, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. I want you to think how you can forgive that person. Maybe it's a friendship that you miss. Maybe it's a friendship that you miss so dearly, but pride is getting in the way because you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not getting, I'm not going to say sorry. Why? What are you proving and puffing up your chest and saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to be the one that says sorry. To me, if you go to the one and you say, hey, I'm, hey, I'm sorry, cat, that makes you the bigger person because you're being vulnerable. You're not being stubborn, which I'm stubborn. I want you to talk to that person to work out your differences because I promise you it's not worth holding on to. And as we pray, as you bow your head, I want everybody to bow their head, close their eyes. As we pray tonight, think of one person. You know what? And if you can't think of a person, it's okay. Maybe think of somebody in your family that you know is holding on to a grudge. I want you to think about their situation. But maybe think of a person, you, or maybe it's a person you talk to and they, and they did you wrong somehow, and you're still holding on a little bit of that grudge. You know, when they say something, you cringe a little bit. Maybe they say something and you kind of like, oh, did you hear what she said? Why are you responding that way? Why are you acting like that? Why does that bitterness come into your heart? Okay, I asked you a lot of questions. Joseph could have never forgiven his brothers, but he saw the purpose in his life. He saw where God was leading him and he reflected back on his life and said, you know what? Even though they wanted me dead, what it stemmed from was jealousy. That jealousy isn't worth it. God is worth it. And I promise you, I promise you, your relationship will become a whole lot stronger. Your relationship of forgiveness will become a whole lot better. There was one guy I didn't talk to for many, many years. And I said, you know what? I'm going to suck it up. Even though I wanted to drop kick him, I did. I didn't drop kick him. I wanted to do some Cobra Kai on him. When I asked him for forgiveness, our friendship became that much stronger. And there's people I'm going to think about when we're praying as well that I need to forgive. Because I still have an anger towards them. So, if you're sitting here, every head bowed, every eye closed, can you put your hand in the air if you want to forgive somebody tonight? And nobody's looking, nobody's looking, nobody's looking. Some of you, two of you are being honest, three of you. Oh, sweet, there we go. Thank you, thank you. And some of you are sitting here tonight and you haven't given your life to Christ and you want to do that tonight. Can you put your hand in the air? It's going to be the best decision that you ever make in your life. Awesome. So I want everybody to repeat this after me. We're going to pray um, um, just a just to give your life to Christ. We're going to do it like a, a, a sinner's prayer, if you want to call it that. And I want everybody to repeat after this. Lord God, I give my life to you. I know I'm not perfect, but I know you can make me new. God, I trust you and I give my life to you. Lord, forgive me of my past and take away 
my sins. God, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross to give us new life. I believe Jesus rose three days later and defeated death. So God, I give my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna pray for uh, forgiveness for those who have that in their heart. So one more time, and then we'll wrap it up and we'll split up into small groups. That TV shut off. Do you guys know what time it is? 807, okay. Sweet, thank you. All right, let's pray one more time. Father, we just um, lift up these prayer requests to you. God, don't let us hold a grudge in our heart. Let us have a heart to just soften after you. Lord, don't let us hold these grudges any longer as we know it's not worth it. Don't let us have a hatred that builds up that we don't want to talk to somebody, that we don't cringe when somebody says something, but God, let us see the goodness in them. Let them see the goodness in us. So God, I just pray that the forgiveness will be uh, that the forgiveness will come to light, and I pray that the hatred will be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray that um, um, uh, conversations will be blessed, and I just pray that you guide our words moving out of this place. So God, don't let us hold on to those grudges any longer. And God, we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. But remember. It doesn't end here. Stay connected with us on social media, share your thoughts, and continue the conversation.